college basketball is two months away, two and a half months away. So let's look at some of the big transfers that are coming into college basketball's new teams and who could be an impact player for this upcoming season and also make some splash on the NBA draft radars. Coming up next on Locked On NBA Big Board. You are Locked On NBA Big Board, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's up? My name is Richard Stamen. You probably know me better as at Mavs Draft, shown right here, uh, just right below on YouTube. If you are not on YouTube, uh, please join uh, and subscribe to the Locked On NBA Big Board channel. It would mean a ton to me, Raphael, Leaf, and Sam. Um, would just mean a ton for us. We've worked really hard on growing our channel uh, since Chad left. Raphael's done a great job. But for those on YouTube and for also those still listening on podcasts, totally okay. Uh, thank you for making Locked On NBA Big Board the first listen of this late Wednesday. You might be listening to this early Thursday. Uh, just some big news came in uh, through the NBA. This actually doesn't have anything to do with what I'm going to talk about, but I feel like I'll touch on it for a second. Chet Holmgren, the number two pick in this last year's draft, just went down with a quick injury. Uh, I'll touch on that in just a moment. But first, uh, again, thank you for making us your first listen of the day. But this episode is brought to you by Bet Online, betonline.net. Has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online is where the game starts. So I'll quickly touch on Chet before diving into guys like Keontae Johnson, Nigel Pack, the Miami guys, uh, some wild cards in there, Moni Bates and uh, Pete Nance and Ricky Council. I want to touch on all of those here, kind of do a little bit of rapid fire on these guys. But real quick with Chet, this was completely unplanned. This happened uh, about 30 minutes ago. So I figured I would touch on it. It's a relevant topic. It sucks. Um, you look at what the impact is. He, he has a foot fracture, foot injury, some form, ligament damage. Uh, he's going to be out months. It's not a week-by-week week thing. This is probably – he might miss a good portion of the season. I'm not going to say he's going to miss the whole year. It's probably on the table because Oklahoma City had already said last year uh, – Sam Presti made a subtle con- a comment about how the Thunder kind of want to be in the top of this draft again because the 2023 draft is just that special – so it wouldn't shock me if they hold him out a little bit more to make sure he's 100%. really sucks to see. Uh, I think this is going to be something that benefits guys like Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Um, he's somebody who, I mean, he missed a ton of time last year too. Could get another chance at getting some more run. Alexei Pokachevsky will get more run. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the Thunder because of this, but unfortunate. Hope check gets better soon. Uh, let's head. Let's start with the headliners, though, on the transfers. So on this episode, I'm going to talk about some of the top transfers I like in the transfer portal that are coming over. Um, I really just think, uh, I think it's a good class, excuse me, for the transfers. Uh, The names I wrote down, there were, there were a good amount of them. Uh, I think the one, the list I saw, there were 153. And some of the guys, it doesn't really correlate to NBA draft stuff. The rankings that I saw is more like their college impact. Let's start with Keontae Johnson. I think he's far and away the most intriguing. Um, he had some off-the-court issues, uh, which I don't know enough about to fully speak about. He's played five games in the last uh, – actually, really four games in the last two years because he collapsed on the floor uh, in 2020. He, um, four games played against – he collapsed against Florida State. Really haven't seen him since before the pandemic even started. What we do know about Keontae – is that there's a lot of athleticism with long arms at a at a good frame. He's about 6'5", super explosive 
He has one of the best first steps, I think, in the country. He has really good touch at the rim. He's a great finisher. I think they're shooting upside. Uh, he does need some refinement. This is notes from two years ago I'm looking at. He's really good off the ball. Um, and I think defensively, he can at least hold his own. But I think more importantly, he can guard multiple positions. What he was doing his sophomore year was pretty impressive. 14 points a game, seven rebounds. You see the rebounding is good. He also averaged six and a half rebounds as a freshman, 1.6 assists, 1.2 steals. Uh, average more turnovers are pretty much equal turnover and assists. That's kind of alarming, but shot 54% freshman year shot 47% uh, from three. He was 36 and a half percent as a freshman, 38% as a sophomore and shot 77% from the line as a sophomore too. So really a lot of strong statistical indicators there from the free throw percentage, three point percentage, and just the overall stats. And then you look at what the eye test says with, hey, his first step is really strong. He's going to get to the rim. He knows how to use his touch at the rim well. He adjusts to contact, things like that. And you look at somebody who's going to be very strong. He's transferring from Florida to Kansas State. He's about 6'5", 230, so an absolutely jacked frame. He's all muscle. Um, for me, I'm really excited to see what he does because I think the Big 12 is the best conference in basketball. And there's going to be some special defenders that he's going against every single night in conference play. So he has a big chance at Kansas State, who I believe has a relatively easy non-conference schedule. I think they released it uh, if everything is adding up up here. But I, I'm interested to see what Keontae uh, Johnson does. And now there's two Keontes in the conference, and they both spell it differently with him and Keontae George. That's going to be a journalist nightmare. Uh, but with Keontae Johnson, I think the things to look for with him beyond simply, you know, what is his condition like? Uh, that's going to be the number one question he gets. See, there, there are going to be a lot of questions for him come draft time because this is technically his fifth year in college, but only his third year he's actually played. So the number one question is, is, is he healthy enough to actually ever play in the NBA? And that's not a question for anybody watching this, anybody doing a show on him, including myself. That's just an unknown to us. And number two is, what happened off the court? Um, I, I want to say it was domestic violence was against him or sexual assault. It was one of the two. Um, I, I can't remember, but he has something looming that is a pretty big uh, charge against him. We'll see what happens with that. I don't want, again, I don't want to comment on it one way or another because I just don't know all the facts. Uh, and then thirdly is what does he look like as a basketball player because of the heart condition uh, and just generally two years of being away from basketball. He's also going to be older than a lot of his competition. Again, fifth year. Um, we really just don't know. So for me, I expect a lot still. I think he'll be fine given it's been two years and assuming this is just pure guess, but like in terms of basketball skill, I think he'll look just fine. I think the jump shot I've, would imagine he's still been able to go to the gym and shoot up some shots, get some shots up, excuse me. Um, I, I can't see why even with a condition, you know, for the last year sitting out, like he probably could have gone over uh, to the gym just to literally shoot. But again, I don't know. I would expect the jumper to get better. I don't know what the production will be. That's an absolutely unknown factor on um, how many minutes a game can he play? I think just overall looking at the three big things, which are what is his overall volume? What is his efficiency? And what are those minutes? Because those are going to be really telling for what his NBA upside is. I think if everything returns to normal, you're looking at a guy who could go second round. Again, I think teams would probably dismiss the age on this one just give, just because of very special circumstances. So for me, I, I think he could be a second round prospect if everything pans out. You're looking at a guy who's 6'5", He's a wing, probably more of a shooting guard than a small forward, but so strong that he can guard up, he can shoot. 
And he's so explosive that I think it really negates a lot of his physical shortcomings in terms of height. So I think, again, if he produces and looks the part at Kansas State, I think Keontae Johnson is somebody that could end up getting into the second round of the NBA draft. I, I would really like to see that. It's a good comeback story. Um, again, I, I just think, I kind of think that'd be interesting. But I also want to talk about some of the other big transfers. Again, Miami has some big ones, Nigel Pack. Um, also Pete Nance at North Carolina, Ricky Council at, uh, at Arkansas from Wichita State. But first, let me tell you uh, a quick word from the NHTSA. You're hanging out with, oh, here's a scenario, you're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. But no, you live nearby. You can make it home, okay? It's not a big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill someone. Everyone knows some about the risks of drunk driving. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save our lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe. And plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes a few minutes to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. So back here on Locked On NBA Big Board. My name is Richard Stamen. Um, you probably know me better as at Mavs Draft. Going to be talking about some of these big prospects that are transferring over from schools. Let's do, you know what, let's just do a shooters on this part. I'm going to, I thought I was going to do specific players. Let's just do shooters because there's a lot of good shooters coming over. I'll start with Nigel Pack. I think he's the very best shooter in the country. He is transferring. Uh, uh, and actually, this is, I didn't even realize what a smooth transition I just did. He's tra he's transferring from Kansas State over to Miami. So state-to-state uh, -state role reversal of Keontae Johnson. Keontae's going from Florida to Kansas State. Nigel's going from Kansas State to Miami, opposite uh, you know, a few hours south of UF. But with Nigel Pack, I got to see him in May. I saw him and Isaiah, and Isaiah Wong working out together. Um, I was really impressed. It was a very light workout. But with Nigel, not only did he make over 20 shots in a row from three, uh, which is just absurd. Like at any level, it's very hard to make 20 in a row. Even some of the best shooters in the NBA, I mean, that's that's still a tall order. 10 isn't that crazy, but like once you hit 20, it's it's pretty absurd. And the crazier thing was I don't think a lot of them were at the college line. I mean, they were several inches at least behind which i think it's only six inches different between the college line and the nba line now since they moved it up so that's an nba three pretty much for a lot of those and making consecutive double digit consecutive from call from nba as a college player is really crazy for the year he shot 43 and a half percent from three as a sophomore 85 percent from the line as a freshman 40 and a half percent from three it's just ridiculous but it goes deeper than that you look at his ability to score over big men. I think he has a giant killing floater. Um, I really like that. That's a huge selling point for me. I, I just, I think that's big. And like when you're six foot, that this is the one thing that I'll, I'll kind of balance the pros and cons on this, but he's six foot 180. It's not exactly the biggest guy, um, but when you're that small and you have to, and you have a lethal jump shot, you need to have some element of two point scoring, right? We saw this with Caleb Love. Uh, he got a lot of attention before deciding to return. He is a horrific two-point scorer, and he's only he's like six three. He's actually bigger, 
And that's a major concern. You have to have that element. Devontae Graham is somebody who I think is one of the few guys. I don't like his two-point scoring. He never did as a prospect at Kansas. He always looks scared to go to the rim. I know a scout I talked to when I first started getting into this, it was at a TCU game. We were talking about Devontae Graham, and he was saying, look, like you can tell he's just scared to go to the rim. That's a turnoff. This team obviously did not draft him. He's only played for two teams. Also, that would be small anyways, but he like that's alarming. When you're small, you have to be fearless. You have to have a weapon. And luckily, Nigel Pack does have a weapon. He has an incredible floater. His touch overall on anything that comes to shooting, whether it's floaters, pull-up jumpers, spot-ups, threes, moving threes, anything like that, it's ridiculous. And Nigel Pack has all of that down. The floater is going to be what really separates him. He can also pass. Uh, the assist numbers at Kansas State this year really undersold him. 2.2 assists. He went down from just about four at 3.8 a game as a freshman. I think that number is going to go higher. He's playing with Isaiah Wong. He's got really good talent at Miami. That's a team that's going to be top 25. Kansas State in his time there wasn't very good. They were under 500 both seasons. So it's not like uh, he had world-beating talent around him, whereas now there's there's a couple of potential pros. I mean, Isaiah Wong is surefire going to be an NBA player, uh, at least summer league. At the very minimum, he's a summer league guy. He's a pro overseas at the worst which isn't even a bad outcome. Like that is still very good. And I think he could play in high level Euro league. And there are some other players also on that UM team, but Nigel Wong, or excuse me, Nigel Pack, uh, you look at him and I, I just, I love the shooting. I love the fit next to Isaiah Wong. They can play off of each other. Absolutely. Perfectly. I think you're going to see a similar season, 15 plus points per game, 45 again, percent from the field over 40% from three. That's a staple. He can shoot from anywhere, by the way, I highly recommend if you type in on Twitter, Nigel Pack, and then just go to videos, you'll see tons of stuff. My name comes up a lot on it, uh, and you'll see just that he can shoot the lights out from anywhere. He does standstill spot-ups quickly from the logo. It, it's absurd. Like, his range will translate. His shooting will be there. That is an NBA trait. So I really like that fit in Miami. Another guy who I really like um, is Donald Carey. And Donald Carey was at uh, Georgetown, excuse me, uh, but he transferred out to um, – to Maryland and Maryland has a good team. There's a couple transfers I like there. So he didn't go very far, stayed down the road. Um, he is going with Jameer young from Charlotte, who I've gotten to see a handful of times, given that he's in conference USA. I go to the conference USA tournament every year. It's been in Frisco outside of 2020 when two games were played and Jameer young is a really good floor general. He can score. He's a lefty. Uh, I really like that fit. So I'm excited to see Donald carry. He's just a pure shooter. I mean, you look at, Again, kind of the same thing. Just you look at the movement threes, the distance on his threes. It's really impressive. And also he he has an odd ability to draw and ones. I don't understand how. I don't know if that's actually something that ever translates up or anything, but that is something that translates. And look at, listen to these three-point percentages. I'll read the percent plus the volume, and you can tell it's legit. Backed up by a career 86% from the line number given uh, also last year, three attempts per game, 91% from the line, which again, free throw percentage, big, big indicator. So his first, uh, actually I'll just 36% from three on three attempts per game. That was his freshman year at Mount St. Mary's transferred up to Siena. Uh, not much of a big jump, but still a jump. Five attempts per game from three, 38%. Then he transferred up again right after COVID to Georgetown where he spent the last two years as a, He's and by the way, he's gonna be a six-year senior. So like, or wait, yes, six-year senior. Sorry, I had to do some math because he missed a year in 2018-19. So I do know he's old, but age sometimes doesn't matter if you can shoot the lights out. Uh, and he's six five. So I mean, he'll get a chance. You look at Jariah Horn; he got a chance this year. I think 
Don, Donald Carroll, absolutely too. But for his senior year, technically his junior year is like redshirt junior or something like that. 45% from three on three and a half attempts per game in his first year at Georgetown. And then this last year at Georgetown on six attempts, 39%. I mean, it's absurd how good he is. And again, taking those hits, I, I really, really like what he brings. And then there's Pete Nance, who I think this, I think he's probably got the best chance of the three to get drafted this year. Uh, he's a fifth year senior transferring in from uh, Northwestern over to North Carolina, younger brother of Larry Nance Jr., uh, so there's obviously some NBA lineage there as a senior at Northwestern shot 50% from the field, 45% from three on three attempts per games. The free throw percentage backs it up each of the last two years. He's just massively improved. He went from, I'll actually just go year over year. Granted the sample size is very small considering he took 12 free throws his first year, but 41% as a freshman, 69%, uh, which is nice at uh, as a sophomore. And then, Onto the real numbers, I mean, junior year jumped to 78%. And then on volume this year, he finally got over two a game, 77% from the line. So the jump shot is very real. And then on top of that with Pete Nance, what I really like is that he can play make very well. Uh, some other people I've talked to are, I mean, he's a point forward for a lot of people. His post fadeaway is really impressive. He can shoot over contests. His form is just really good. I think he's just a gifted offensive player. You look at a modern power forward offensively, it's him. I don't know what his defense will look like this year, but I think if you liked Brady Manick at North Carolina, you almost have to love Pete Nance. I think he's just a better player. And, and then the last one for this part, uh, and then I'm going to go into a couple of guys uh, that I like elsewhere in different roles. The last one on this is Darren Green. He's transferring in not very far down the road. He's transferring in from UCF out to Florida State. I talked about this uh, last week, two weeks ago, I think about the Florida State in the Florida State preview. But Darren Green is going to be really good on that already solid Florida State roster. He doesn't have to do a lot. He just has to shoot. And, I mean, 42% as a freshman, 36% as a sophomore, 39% as a junior. That number is probably going to get back to 40% this year, just given his role, where Matthew Cleveland, Jalen Morley, and a few other guys make his job very easy offensively. He's a lights-out shooter. I think all four of those guys can get drafted Um excuse me, three of those guys can get drafted. Uh, I'm, I'm losing count of who I, no, there, there were four. Donald Carey was, was one I missed. If I had to rank their chances of being drafted, I would go Pete Nance is far. I, I think he's number one. Nigel Pack is, it's not far and away. I'd say he's kind of a close second, but being six foot guard makes it really hard. You have to really stand out. ESPN put him in their mock, uh, their er, way too early 2023 mock. I know he had some good workouts with some NBA teams. So, Maybe that taste is still in their mouth that they want to get a shooter, and they're saying, hey, he's more than just a shooter. But I would say Pete Nance, Nigel Pack. I would then go with – I mean, it's hard to draft a 24-year-old, so I think by nature Darren Green, the rising senior going into Florida State, is the number three, and then Donald Carey is the number four most likely to be drafted. Um, but there's a few more transfers I want to talk about. The big one, Amoni Bates. He's transferring back home to Eastern Michigan. And then Johnny Broom, who is transferring in from Moorhead State to Auburn. Talked about some of these guys before. I'll go a little bit more in depth. But first, uh, let me tell you real quick about Bet Online, where you can bet on some of these players and their games coming up in the future for NCAA basketball. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. You can find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, games, BetOnline.net. 
You can find reviews of every news of, excuse me, find reviews and news of every league. I had a little tongue twister there, including MLB as they're in full swing right now, heading towards the postseason in just over a month. NFL is coming back. NBA is not even four weeks from training camp. NHL is going to follow right after combat sports, esports, and even golf, which is a year round sport as well as tennis. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts they have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. So, last segment of the show, Hamoni Bates. I mean, we we have to talk about him. Um, He had a very controversial season, I would say, at Memphis, uh, missing time. And when he went down... The team got better. Like that was that was Memphis's best run. That's what got them to the tournament. He didn't do a ton. Uh, I think it's very important to note he was a year young. Like he he wasn't even eligible for this last year's draft. So like take these stats with a gra- like somewhat of a grain of salt, but also realize hey there is real improvement to be made. He averaged nine point seven points a game, three point three rebounds, one point three assists, less than a steal, less than a block. Had two point three turnovers, so one full turnover per game more than the assists. Shot 39% from the field, 33% from three, 65% from the line. Like everything is really alarming. This is a guy who unfairly got overhyped as like a freshman and sophomore in high school. And when push came to shove, when he was kind of being thrown in this situation, which I think he shouldn't have done, he shouldn't have reclassified. I think it really hurt his stock. So he transferred back home uh, to, I can't say the city's name. I know it's where Eastern Michigan is, but he's going to Eastern Michigan. He's back home. Maybe just being back home will be good for him, but he also has a negative three wingspan. I think it was negative somewhere between two and four, but I think the three was the official one that we got leaked out. And that is a huge flag like wings, especially any player disregarding their position at 6'9", you cannot have a negative wingspan. Like, there are guys that have 6'10", wingspan, 6'11", or excuse me, six that are 6'10", and have a 6'11", wingspan, or 6'9", with 6'10", and it's a flag. You go square, it's pretty alarming. Then you go three inches negative, that's really bad. Like, if you look at the players who are negative in wingspan this league, they have an elite skill, and generally it's shooting. Desmond Bain is close. Uh, I think he's even. I think he's 6'5", with a 6'5", wingspan. That was what I saw in 2019 in person. So I always go with that, but there were people in the combine. I think he measured like ever so slightly worse or something like with like half an inch negative and people made a huge deal about it. There were teams like I know for a fact, there were teams that would not even interview him until the very end until they like had to. So being negative and wingspan, I think Luke Kennard is another one. It's a huge red flag for NBA teams. Length matters way more than like we talk about it on Twitter and on this podcast about how much length matters. NBA teams think it matters even more because just long players can do more. They have more range, literally, and it means a lot. So Amoni Bates really has an uphill battle, but I think for him to rebuild his stock, he really just has to produce. Like I don't think it's anything super complex. This is I don't care that he's a sophomore. This is his freshman season. This last year should be treated like a red shirt where he got bonus opportunity, probably a little bit too much bonus opportunity. But if he can produce, go 15 points a game, be efficient, shoot the three ball well, and especially that free throw percentage, and actually just be good on defense, just with your feet. Don't worry about like blocking shots, getting steals, anything like that, even though those are indicators. If he can lock guys down, be a, be a Mac all defense guy, be an all Mac player, he's going to probably get drafted. 
Now, if he doesn't produce again, I think we can probably close the book on him. I know that sounds very extreme, but if you're not able to produce at Memphis, which technically is considered like a very, very high mid-major, it's non-power five, anything that falls short, people call mid-major. I don't think it's a mid-major, but technically can be. And then you go to a true mid-major, like the mid-American, you got to produce. So for him, he's got a lot of pressure on him, more than he continually has had on him. But he really has to produce. The last guy I want to talk about is Johnny Broom. Uh, my guy Leaf has talked about him on here before. He was um, he's a junior transferring in from the from Moorhead State in the Ohio Valley Conference. I'll read through some of his accolades. It's it's pretty nuts actually. He was a two time All Ohio Valley Conference member. He was this last year's Ohio Valley Conference Defensive Player of the Year. Two times All Tourney for the Ohio Valley Conference. He was last year uh, the twenty twenty one. Uh, rookie of the year for the Ohio Valley Conference and the Ohio Valley Conference tournament MVP. So, like, the decoration is very much there. Um, he's he's ridiculous. And then I, that this doesn't even include his stats: seventeen points a game, ten and a half rebounds, one point two assists, four blocks a game, and that's on fifty five and a half percent shooting, sixty four percent from the line. So, it's kind of a jump shot there, but not really because he doesn't shoot threes. But you look at replacing Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith. That's a big starting point. And Johnny Broom is somebody who is going to produce. And I think if he were to come out next year, I think there's a real chance he gets drafted simply off the production. I don't think there's anything crazy that necessarily pops about his game in, being, in terms of being super unique. But you have somebody who can score efficiently in the two-point line, can block shots and rebounds the lights out of the ball. There's a place for that in the NBA at 6'10". And if he, again, if he can replicate those results from the Ohio Valley Conference and the SEC it might be worth a shot in the fifties. I don't know what his rotation player upside of the NBA necessarily is. Uh, maybe being the elite rebounder there. We've seen some teams that uh, roll out a very niche player in star lineups. I mean, I think one prime example as, uh, as you know, given my name right here, Mavshraft is Dwight Powell is kind of that, like he's a roller. Like that is what he does. He does pick and rolls and he does handoffs, like anything involving a screen offensively. It's him and he'll roll to the basket for Luca. Johnny Broom might be able to carve that out, uh, but at the very least, teams like taking a chance on productive players with good size. So I like Johnny Broom, but that was this episode of the transfer um, the transfer recap. Talked about a good amount of guys over here. Um, I talked about Keontae Johnson. Uh, we also had Pete Nance. We also had Darren Green, Nigel Pack. We had a lot of guys on here, Donald Carey too, and then also Amoni Bates and Johnny Broom. There were some I couldn't get to. Uh, that I want to shout out, like uh, I think Eric Gaines at UAB is going to be killer. He was really good at LSU. I thought he could have been a top 30 prospect at times. I uh, really like him. Jalen Tyson, somebody, if you're looking for that forgotten freshman who uh, it, at at Texas, it just didn't work for him. He thought going back to Chris Beard would, would work. It unfortunately didn't. Uh, I think good things are coming for him at Texas Tech. I've seen him uh hard worker just he's a perfectionist in in the right way and i think i'm willing to give a second chance on somebody like him that had a flame out first year i think he's going to bounce back and i think he's going to surprise people at texas tech he's going to replace terrence shannon i really like him so keep an eye on him but that is this episode of the freshman uh i guess the the or excuse me, not the freshman the transfers of who to look for that could be nba players one day hope you enjoyed it Again, please give us a follow on or subscribe on YouTube at Locked On NBA Big Board. Thank you again for making us your first listen and continuing to listen to us during the offseason. Training camp's not far away, so we'll be back with some more exciting content. 
But thank you again and have a wonderful rest of your day.